0: Friend, you don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. Not listening. Not listening. You're a liar. A thief. No. Murderer. Go away. Go away. I hate you. Don't you? Where would you be without me? Ellen. Ellen. I saved us. It was me. We survived because of me. Not anymore. What did you say? Master. back! wolf. Now! And ever! Come back! We, we told him to go away. And away he goes, precious. not go! go. You know, uh, the part of that we're going to get into today really has to do with him saying, having that realization that he wants him to go away, that there's a struggle, but yet there is something that happens within him, not of his own strength, that he just realizes, no, 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 no. Master takes care of us now. And so that's where we're going to go um, we're going to continue here together uh, in the, um, the series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue. And so I have the uh, wonderful uh, privilege and um, the somewhat fear and trembling hope of going into Romans chapter 7. And of course, in order to do that, you have to come up with a really crafty title, which I really did. Thank you so much, Holy Spirit. Uh, wrapped, redeemed soul wrapped in flesh, the Holy Spirit's work is an inside job. But before we talk, uh, as, and, and again, I, I steal so much from um, a good man named Steve Brown. Um, before we talk uh, about God, let's talk to him. So let's pray. Well, Father God, here we are. And um, you have prepared a way through Christ. You've prepared a way by giving the Holy Spirit. You've prepared words of the Bible and uh, broken vessels to present those words. Um, may the plate and the heart of each people be f- here be filled, including mine. Um, forgive the sins of the teacher for their many. And I pray that they'll see Jesus in him only as we get into this. It's in your name, Jesus, we're praying. Amen. Okay, all right. So my really good friend, Russ, um, and the amazing tech here that Han and Russ do. Thank you so much. We're going to be working this slide. Now, again, I do PowerPoints, not because this is a TED Talk. Okay. Okay, when you come together here to w- worship, it's not a TED talk. Okay? This is about your heart being renewed by something bigger than me and you taking it and delivering it to yourself and others later. This is an oxygen mask, you put yourself you put the oxygen mask on you first. The Holy Spirit will do that so that you're ready cuz this is a big rescue but you're still on the plane headed to not so, uh, headed to a better place. But here we go. Thank you so much. All right. So now we got to do a Holy Spirit recap. So Holy Spirit recap, and yes, Russ, I'll stay on the carpet. Holy Spirit recap, ready? All right, so just want to let you know, we've been doing a series, and again, it's been Patrick doing the series, Andrew does it sometimes. Uh, We're going to just do a little recap really quick. Just know the Holy uh, Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. Now, we're going to talk to him, we're going to talk about him in particular, right? But it's not partialism, it's not just the little clover thing. Uh, Basically, he's God, but he's also in three persons. Now, would you like me to explain that? I can't fully. Okay, so, but we're going we're gonna to talk about it in faith and belief, all right? So this is actually the third person of the Trinity, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The job of the Holy Spirit, okay, ready? Magnify Jesus. That's really what it does, magnify, right? Now, when we get to the end, the slide, I'm going to get into magnify. If I don't, if I get to the last slide and I don't unpack magnify, I want the entire crowd to scream magnify, okay? Because we're going to take a look at it and kind of what magnification really looks like. Because in church, you hear those words, magnify the Lord. Um, it actually is a very good word. It's not. It's a really good word. And we kind of trample on words sometimes and hope to make it like it's, it's not understandable. It is. It really is. Magnify, that's, that's the job, right? Uh, okay, so now, other jobs of the Holy Spirit here, uh, saving the likes of you and me purpose of which magnifying jesus okay ongoing work to sanctification purpose magnifying jesus okay this is not a self-help group i came to church to just be a better person well okay but that's it's not self-help the job of your sanctification and mine which is ongoing even up here right now okay it's to magnify jesus the fact that he can save the likes of us makes the devil tremble Okay. All right. So uh, I'm uh, applying the gospel to every part of my life. That's his work. So you say, I want the gospel. We want to talk about the gospel. Like the word just because a gospel? But applying it to Monday morning, applying it to what's going on behind your eyes right now. Like apply it. Yes, I've heard those words, but does it apply here? And the the Holy Spirit's answer is yes, let me show you how it does on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Not just on Sunday. Okay, Uh, and then of course, here we go. mortifying sin. What? Okay, wait a minute. If I'm saved, how, am I still sinning? I thought I was saved, right? So we're going to get into that state. <laughs> I mean, we're talking seventh chapter Romans. It's, we're going to really get into it, right? So trust me, it's okay. The Holy Spirit is with us. Mortifying sin. Okay, another one of those words like magnify, mortify, magnify, mortify. All right, that's kind of the process of this whole sanctification in a way. Mortification of sin. I'll just be straight with you. It's killing it killing it sometimes the death is like a really long <laughs> and sometimes it's a and sometimes the mortification sin you know there are just some uh there are just some that are with you till we head to heaven right okay but he's working you're not alone let's take a look at that right here we go all right so we do have to put a little uh, disclaimer here. Yeah, we got to put a little disclaimer. Of what we're going to be doing this uh, this particular message is rated R. It's reformed. Here we go. So we got to do a little recap because you got to know where you are on the map. You got to know where you are on this map. Okay, this is like a map. I didn't do a map thing, but I did the cute little thing. All right, here we go. Creation, God's work. His work was creation. All right, out of nothing. Here, right? All right, His work. Fall, man's work. Creation? His work. Fall? Man's work. Okay. Redemption? His work. Adoption? His work. Sanctification? His work. Glorification? His work. Now, why in the world put it up there? Here's why. All right. Here we are. Here we are. All right. Now, if you're not yet a believer in Christ, and not just in your head, what I mean is you have looked upon the face of Christ. The Holy Spirit has woke you up. Woke you up. And suddenly you're like, wait a minute what I thought was right is not really right. I want him to make me right. I want the blood of Jesus and his resurrection to be applied to my life and my sin. See, that's really where we get down to redemption, right? So that's his work. Now, if you've not yet believed that, you're still in point number two. You're still in man's work. You're still doing it. Now, after we get saved, yes, that's true. We still have this sin going on, but I just want to know where you are because it's important to look at the, the second to last point, sanctification. All right, That's where we are now. We are not in the last point. We are in sanctification. Right? Our, so are we saved? Yes. Is that eternally guaranteed? Yes. Yes. Are we adopted as sons and daughters? Yes. Does that get taken away? No. It is by grace we've been saved, through faith, and it's not of yourself. It is, a work of God, not by, or it is a work of God, not by work so no man will boast. The point is, it's yours, and it doesn't get taken away. You don't take your son and daughter and say, I want you to do this, and when you do it right, you can, you can call me daddy again. Have you ever done that? How much more since you are evil, and of course that's in the Bible, right? How much more since you're, these, you're still working through your salvation as the Holy Spirit works in your heart, how much more would God not get rid of a son or daughter? That's not how he works, but you need to know where you are. You're in this whole process of sanctification if you're a believer. You are not in a glorified body. You are in a body that is made of flesh, and it asks, it, it actually cries out for things that are just not of him. I know, I know, you thought this was going to be autopilot, right? Some of you, not all of you, but some of you believe that this walk is autopilot, okay? Christ saved me. Great. Sin thing is done. Well, yes, it is, right? I mean, like uh, our, our position—it's that it's phrase that, that Craig was referring to me. The position between us and God is His, His Son and Daughter, right? We are, we're going to be His for, for forever, but we're still in this body. We have a disposition in this flesh that just asks for things that you're still wondering why, and that's because He wants you and I to be dependent on the Father till we die, and then we're going to depend on Him in glorification. We'll never be without Him and we need him now. That's Being in this body is rough. We'll take a look at how rough it gets in just a bit. All right, let's go. Okay, now we're going to talk about the mortification of sin. All right, John Owen. That's a lovely outfit, I must say. I almost put an ascot on today, but here we go. Killing sin is the work of the Holy Spirit. By him alone, it is to be done, and by no other power will it ever be done trying to kill sin and behave morally through personal strength and efforts using personal tools and techniques is the foundation of all false religion in the world. Okay, so here's the thing. So you've asked me, Lord, you, you, you've, you've kind of woken me up, right, to mortify sin and to get certain sins out of my life, right? But yet I still have this body that cries out for them. It's a battle within there. The thing is, it is the work of the Holy Spirit, It's going to work out in a different life and behavior. I get that part, but let's rewind the tape. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been focused on for so long. This is really important. When Jesus says, I'm going to send you someone who's better, a helper, it's not just a helper to sort of like, you know, uh, trim your bushes and pull the weeds. We're talking about going inside of you. Do you know what it's like inside there? Do you? I can tell you what it's like inside of me. I can't believe the Holy Spirit would go inside of me and rest the Spirit of God in here. He hears what I'm thinking. He knows what's going on in there, yet he loves me out of so much. Okay, let's try again. All right, here we go. <laughs> okay, Mortify, killing, armor of God. Galatians 5, 24, crucify the flesh. Woo! These are big words, right? Listen, That's because the Holy Spirit inspired the writers to the truths of what it's like in there. It's a war. It's a battle. Get honest, man. It is a battle. Now, if you are here and you're saying, I don't have a battle. Well, two things could be going on. One, uh, you're ignoring it. Or two, maybe you have a little bit of reprieve. If you have a reprieve, thank God from whom all blessings flow because it can come back. Well, I thought I dealt with that. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Listen to your sentence. I thought I dealt with that? No. Don't be surprised. Be dependent on going to the Spirit again and again and again. It's a process. Okay. All right. Here we go. Now let's get into the text of Romans 7, right? Here we go. Now this is going to be difficult to read aloud to you. Do you know why? I think it's capturing something that's really t- difficult to explain. So Paul, right? Paul in the book of Romans. So there are commentators that believe that, and I think it, I think it's justly so, right? We don't have videotape of Paul, but we believe there's many believe that Paul used the book of Romans as like a central message. It was like his sermon, and he'd go from place to place to place to place, and it was basically Romans. He like just bring it out there, right? And that some of the letters to the churches after that were really some, really some corrections or some, some, some special points of emphasis, but Romans is a core deal, right? So in that, you have all this, um, and I'll just use the T word, okay? In in seven, you have a lot of theology, and I know instantly you're like, oh, Brad, please, no. Can I tell you something a little about theology? I pray we do this. I know Andrew uh, Andrew and Patrick do this. They bring us theology and other people who, who do this, not just those two, um, theology is good when it makes christ beautiful that we hold a certain tenets and beliefs here at this church not to like keep you straightened out but really that theology reveals how beautiful he is right and that's what the purpose of theology so we'll get into it a little bit but when he gets to romans 7 it's not that he stops talking theology but he gets really personal he lets you inside here we go this is what paul does romans 7 for i do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. Okay? So, now, it's this, it, uh, chapter 7 is really a focus on, on two things going on, right? Yes, the Holy Spirit's there. Paul definitely has the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong, right? Read it, by the way, if you want to check that out. But what he's doing is he's talking about the flesh. Now, of course, flesh, it always sounds so icky, right? He's really talking about the body that we live in. It is not yet redeemed. Glorification's on the way. But right now, we are housed in this. Now, the sanctification of the Spirit is to to really open up these boxes of grace, And apply them to the parts of our body and our mind that still is desiring things that are not him. And to, to over time, go after it, right? But Paul's letting you know it's rough in there. That's pretty honest, isn't it? Let's take a look at the next one. Right? For I do not understand my own actions. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Now that's back in the section we just read but I wanted to put that together. So check this out. It's a little bit contradictory, but it's not. So he first starts out with, I do not know my own actions. And then in 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, right? Now, he's not, this is not a contradiction. He's letting you know, okay, even though I'm a follower of Christ, boy, I didn't know that was in there. I didn't know that was in there. Oh, I can't believe what I just said. I can't believe what I just done. Oh, heavens to Betsy he knows that it's still there, okay? But in 18, now he's been given a realization. This is really a big realization, right? And the Holy Spirit gives you that. It's another gift. Grace are, uh, is, is a one-time thing. I get that, I understand. But it's also a continual thing of opening up boxes. Grace is often described as a present or a gift. So imagine, you know, you have uh, remember wedding, uh, your, your wedding, if, you, if you're married, you had wedding showers. Do you remember wedding showers? You were showered with things like, three blenders, <laughs> you were showered, right? And you remember sitting on that heap of presents there when it was all done? I mean, like, woo, you're like a marital drunken sailor. It's like, woo, look at all that, right? And, and then you had the job of opening them up. It took a while, you know? I'm sorry if you didn't get the blender. Just forgive me, but go with me, would you? That you were opening up these gifts, and these gifts were the blender and the, and the dishes and the glasses because you're going to live in a better place But these are the things I'm opening to you now to remind you that we're going to a place that needs a blender. No, that needs, that that God is preparing for us. It's like a a down payment on what's going to happen, where you're going. And you open up these boxes to give you hope that that house in which you are going is not just a house. It's a person, okay? Because all those gifts are from one giver, It's not from Aunt Bessie, they're all from God, and you're going to be opening up those gifts of grace, sometimes in joy, and sometimes you pray to the Holy Spirit for an open up another box to help me through this, and that's what Paul's getting into, because sometimes you do something, and oh my goodness, I could have done that differently. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me I need to ask for forgiveness, repentance. It's that old V8. Those of you who have hair like mine, some of you have more than I have, but the point is, you remember that old commercial V8. Oh, I should have had a V8. They realized afterwards they could have had something better. Imagine a gentle, sweet God through the Holy Spirit saying, you could have had something better than what you just said. It could have been better than what you just did. We could we could love better than that. And that's going to require the strength and the, uh, the ability to ask for forgiveness and receive it without excuse and to be different the next time and the next time. I'm not saying, look, I'm not trying to say that, that the walk with Christ is like neurosis, like we're constantly, we never, because sometimes, yes, we get those victories and we get the difference. Praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. But if you're still struggling, it doesn't mean you're not a believer anymore. It just means there's more work to do together with the Spirit. Okay. All right, let's continue on in Romans 7. Woo! Here it goes. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Okay, Paul is not practicing what I call excusiology. Okay, yeah, my my boss, I'm a recovering psychologist. Um, (laughs) Okay. And that not, not one word of psychology has helped me change one bit of myself, right? Uh, but God helped me. If I, I hope I've helped others. But the point is, um, in this thing, he's not practicing excusiology. Like, well, it's not me. <laughs> That's not me. No need to repent here because huh, what are you going to do? Flesh, flesh, flush. It just does what it's going to do. Woo, right? That's not where he's at, right? He is just identifying, okay, how powerful it is. Because throughout the many other passages, including what we're about to see in just a minute, throughout, not just Romans, but the rest, he should, because, because, uh, uh, you know, because I have this gift of grace, should I just keep on sinning? And what would Paul say? Y- yeah, someone said it in the audience. I can't believe you used that language. Certainly not. That's what they say. Yeah, I know. you're Actually, I think I think they didn't want to put that phrase in there. Ooh. Uh, certainly not, right? So which is it, Brad? Is it a great struggle or is it my flesh? I don't have to worry about it. The answer is not the latter, but it's both. It's both there and there's help. It's there and there's help. I wish he would make it stop. I wish God would, the Holy Spirit would just make it stop. Your dear Jesus Christ said those same words. You're in good company if you're in pain. If you're suffering, you're in good company because you serve a Savior who really gets it. We'll talk about that in a few slides. Just trust and hold on, okay? All right, here we go. Now, okay, so get this. So I know that, <laughs> I know Patrick's heard this before and other people who have studied this really deeply, right? Uh, woo, did I weigh into a big truck of, uh-oh. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of a theological debate about this whole thing. Chapter 7 of Romans, right? okay whoa, 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 how could Paul be struggling so much with sin? I'm pretty sure he's a Christian. Hey, maybe he's talking about when he was an unbeliever. Maybe that's what he's referring to, when I was an unbeliever. Now, listen, there are a lot of people, good, good people who study the Bible. I'm not saying they're bad and Brad's so smart. Not, 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 not. There are some believe that he's referring to before he was a Christian. So he's talking about this in a tense and in a manner before he was a christian so he's really not struggling that bad now it's back when he was so he's trying to urge people you know to go ahead and, and get on justification this is in my not hope, hopefully god's humble opinion and from what i'm reading no 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 he's a believer he's talking to believers he's talking to the church he's talking to y'all if you're believers doesn't mean it doesn't have an application before because there's a couple times within this chapter 7 where he makes a couple past tense references, but my, my, my people, check it out. I am, I do not, but I do, I do, I do not, I agree. For what I do not want, I, 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 I. I. Hey, it's pretty, it's pretty present tense. I don't know what to say other than, thank you, Paul. I was in this gathering together. It was at another church. It really was. I'm not talking about this church, but if I was, it wouldn't matter, right? Because, you know, we all, we all have these issues that we talk about and, and work through and then pray for resolution. But I was in another Presbyterian church. We were at some event that they were hosting, and we were talking about it afterwards, and I was talking to this brother in Christ. He's still a brother in Christ, and as we were talking, uh, I was talking about a sin that I was struggling with, right? Because we just kind of talked about it in general. So I just shared with my brother, and he said, well, and I don't know if his voice got this deep, but he goes, well, yeah, I know. Well, well, uh, do you not believe in the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit? How could you still be sinning like that? And I said, well, yeah, of course I believe in the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. He's working on that sin, like right now. He didn't know what I was thinking, he was working on those thoughts too, right? And he says, well, I just don't see it. And I said, well, it wasn't, I said, well, so here's, here was my, this was years ago. I was like, well, uh, I've read chapter seven of Romans. And Paul was pretty honest about it, struggle that he was. And he goes, oh, well, he was speaking when he was not a Christian. And I I had to sit there and, and, you know, for years later, I was really trying to unpack that and look at the present tense of what he was saying. It's a lot of present tense. It's like now. I mean, he's really getting into it now. He's struggling. Man, Listen the Bible gets real on you really fast. Not just Paul, real. It speaks. It's the only book that you're going to read where the Holy Spirit breathes through it. There's no other book that does that. And that's why it's important to open it up, talk about it, and really meditate on it. Um, Okay, let's try another one. Yeah. Trust someone who's struggling with sin. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's difficult to trust Paul in that left-hand picture. You know why? Because he's got the, you know, he's got the glory. Ah, ah, ah. Often the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is kind of ah, that little, yellow you know, that shine, right? Okay, so it's not bad they did that or anything, right? There's Paul, and I love the fact that he, that he looks like the, my desk at home. Look at that desk, okay? All right? So now he's carrying a big old two-handed sword, right? And, of course, you know you see a lot of paintings of Paul with a big old sword? You know, and some, some say that was because he was dealing with the word of God, which is often described as a sword. And many times martyrs were pictured with the instrument of their martyrdom. So, when you, you know, St. Lawrence, St. Lawrence uh, is a cathedral or a, a basilica in Asheville called St. Lawrence. And you see pictures of him. I saw arrows, like little, little arrows arrows around him. That's because that was probably the method in which they martyred him. But, but I wanted to bring this up because what Paul's doing there, here in, this, in 7, hey, when you're struggling, for real, trust somebody who is an authentic believer. And how do you know? Man, they're willing to not be surprised by your sin or theirs. And they bring you to the throne, and they listen to you. That's who you need to... So, yeah, sometimes you run by yourself to the Holy Spirit and pray. That's fine. But sometimes you share with an authentic believer, hey, listen... I'm having a really hard time. And hopefully, that person will say, really, that's okay? I have my problem. Let's sit and talk about it and pray and find out what the Bible has to say. There are believers that are like that. See, that's how you take Sunday and move it out. Move it out. I'm glad you're here, but how you take Sunday and move it out. And it sounds like this. Friends, family, neighbors, enemies, Okay, trust someone who's struggling with sin. All right, let's try another one. All right, here goes the battle within continues. Chapter 7. So I find it to be a law. Ooh, that's strong. For I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Oh, by the way, by the way, do you remember um, Cain and Abel, right? Do you remember what God said to Cain, what sin is? It seems like a crouching animal ready to devour or be really close to you in a very interesting way. It's crouching ready to get you, right? Well, not me. I'm a believer. Satan cannot have me. Yeah, that's true. He can't have you, but he can make your life difficult. Now, we're going to get to the trifecta in just a second, but just know his work is not done. He's, He's this enemy. He's an enemy that's constantly at work. He's got a lot of buddies, too, that work with him, okay? Now, I'm not saying the devil made me do it, but just know that he's out there and There are some things whispered that are just untrue. And the Holy Spirit will sort that out for you. But anyway, going on in 22, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So yeah, he's a psychophysical dualist. He thinks there's like a spirit inside and I'm covered in a body. And there's a little bit of a, a war going on. Listen, I just did that for the philosophy majors. Basically, that means you're made of two different stuffs, right? You got a spirit and you got a body. It's one thing. Nope. Not according to Paul. It's, it's both. And I, can I just say, do y'all not live this experience? Do y'all not live this experience? You know, when I prayed that on the front end, which is something I remember Steve Brown would always pray, forgive the sins of the teacher for their many. I'm not kidding with you. I'm not trying to look nice, okay? I can't lay them all out on Sunday morning with you, you know, but there's many, many people in here I would on a Monday. Would you? So he's talking about this battle within, raging war, because we are in a trifecta of yikes. No, I'm not. I have a pretty good life and all. I know, I'm, look, praise God, praise God for my own blessing. But let me just tell you, you are you are not in glorification. We are not. We are not. I know that Mills River is beautiful, but you ain't glorified yet, okay? You're not in a glorified body. We have this trifecta of yikes, the flesh, the world, and the devil. <laughs> so you covet in it. It's around you in the world. <laughs> in fact, I forgot, I think it, I forgot it was Keller. Or somebody who said that, uh, you know, uh, the devil is at work, but he has a lot to work with. You don't have to do a lot. Because this world... You know, I know when we talk about this world, you know, we talk about all the things I don't like and all those people I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, ban and get out of my life. I'm not talking about that part of the world. I'm talking about the parts of the world that you do like, that your flesh does call you to, whether it's preaching on Sunday morning or other things out there that are loves, that are misplaced love. Not all love is good. You know the sign love wins? Can I say something to y'all? I hope not all of my love win. I love some things. I pray to God don't win. And so again, this is a battle inside. And listen, we're not alone. Don't get, don't get. Listen, if if you're feeling distressed, don't. This is why we're doing a a special on the Holy Spirit, because that's His work. Jesus breathes it out and it comes down on the disciples and it's been in your life if you're a believer that they actually actually resides in you. It's so important and tough. This battle is so hard. The Holy Spirit has to reside in you. You got to carry him around. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing that to happen, that you carry it around because it's a rough deal out there. And it's a rough deal in here, too, which is kind of the point of the seventh chapter of Romans. OK, keep on rolling. All right. Q&A. All right. I do teach Sunday school and I knew I need to go back. I need to go back. I've said that in front of lots of people, so Kristen will hear it. I do, lo- I do, I do, I do need to go back. Because here's the thing. You know, I know what you're going to say. It's going to be just like Sunday school. So let me give you a question. Question from the seventh chapter of Romans. Ready? So he gets toward the end, and he says, Wretched man that I am. I am. Not was." Okay. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Right, just like in study school. You know what the kids would say? I know I know the answer. I know the answer. What would a kid say? Yes. Right, right. Or God, right? Well, there's good news because Paul answers it with both. <laughs> he even beat your answer, right? Because many people don't say Jesus God. <laughs> okay? Rome, okay, Romans 7.25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, look, Wretched wretched man that I am. Don't stop reading. Not only in the 7th chapter of Romans, don't stop there in your own life. Do you know why? Because for those of you who have pretty besetting sins, besetting is a fancy word, which means they're just going on and on, and I don't know what to do. It just keeps going on and on and on. I need help, okay? Here's the problem with that. Don't stop there. Don't take this into your hands. Don't take the pain and the suffering into your own hands. I'm not just talking about hurting yourself. I'm also talking about hurting others with your silence and your cold shoulder and other ways that people react to this wretchedness inside. Okay? It goes both ways. It's not just about people taking it into their hands in in, in the obvious way. Sometimes it's in a subtle way. Don't do it. And I have to tell myself that again and again, right? Because you get to 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the way out. Okay, so hang in there, keep that prayer, and get to that twenty-fifth verse. And we're gonna and guess hey, Patrick gets to do Romans eight. So yeah, those yeah yeah, I know y'all. Uh, that's why <laughs> do you feel that hot? Did you feel a lift in the crowd? Cause he brings that. He brings that. That's good, right? It's good news applied to now. Okay, cool. Let's try another one. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was about the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.17. I went NIV on you. Okay? Here we go. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. (laughs) And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. It's kind of Paul saying there's a a battle going on. Hold! Remember that? I think that was from... uh, Brave, hold. There's a battle going on. Wait, wait, wait. Don't do anything. I'm gonna give in. No, 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 no. I'm gonna, of my own accord, work it out with my strength. No. You mean I don't have anything to do? Yes, you do. Hold on. Right? So sometimes the answer is to wait. Wait in faith, but don't give in. Right? Ah, this is hard. I know that's why you have a Holy Spirit. You need a Holy Spirit. I'm talking about God residing. I'm talking about that kind of closeness. You got to have it. I got to have it. So it's a battle. Here we go. Let's try another one. You ever hear the expression, choose your weapon. Choose your weapon. And you know, uh, this is the weapon chooses you. I've been chosen. That sounds so churchy. No, it's, that's a rescue. (laughs) He chose not just to save you, but he chose to dive into your sanctification and provide the weapon to go after what is just besetting you sometimes. Again, sometimes you pray, and as you're delivered, or you talk to somebody and you pray, you're reading the Bible, sometimes it's a quick deliverance, and sometimes it's not. You know, if you've been quickly delivered, don't don't say, well, you know, I prayed once about that, and that puppy was gone. I don't know what your problem is. Okay, listen, because everyone's different. God knows that. He knows his children. We are children. He is a father. He knows how hard it is. If you've had multiple children, every child's different, right? Okay, so in here, right, the central work of the Holy Spirit is the constant application of Christ's weaponry and victory against sin. So he applies the weapon, and he brings the victory. Yeah, but I still feel it. I know. He's brought the victory, because one day you will have a body, and it will be different, and it won't be like this. But for right now, hold on. Can it get better? Yes. Yes. If it doesn't better, am I no longer a Christian? No, you're still a Christian. Don't feel bad if you're in anguish. It doesn't mean you've suddenly slipped out of his hands. And when you get better, you can jump back in his hands. That's not how his hands work. His hands are nail-scarred and they don't let go, even if it still hurts. Okay. All right. Now, we got to know who is... now. Wanna, again, what's the, one of the central things of the Holy Spirit is to show Jesus, magnify him. Bring him closer into your view. Right? That's one of the jobs. Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who <laughs> in every respect was, has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Holy smokes. Every way. Yeah, you know, people say like, I've been tempted. You don't know. Uh, it's probably really rough and I'm not trying to belittle you, but I'm here to tell you. Jesus Christ was tempted in every way. He gets it. Don't, listen. Let's read the next one before I do that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he, God, made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, before I get to that last little part right there, okay, he's been tempted, and when it said he has been made sin, it doesn't mean he sinned. Every sin... On him was laid. Now think how many trillions of people have lived on Earth and are living right now. Trillions, not just the big technicolor sins, as Jack Miller says. Okay, we're talking about walking by that person who you just don't want to talk to or see anymore. Doesn't have to be his big technicolor stuff, right? Every sin on him was laid. Every like, woo, woo. That's big and bad. It'll make it sweat blood in a garden, which we'll see in just a second. Okay? Every sin, every temptation, you can trust him. He's, Paul is telling you that to let you know, and of course the Holy Spirit really is telling you, you can trust this God. You can trust this Christ. Don't run to another God. Don't run to another theory. This is the only one who's, who's felt this way and has experienced it in his body. And he actually swallowed the punishment for all that too. Okay, Don't, don't feel guilty. Feel renewed. Don't feel guilty. Stop, stop feel renewed by that that's who you that's who's taking your heart you can trust this guy this holy god excuse me okay next one trust then obey trust then obey that's kind of the process how this kind of works as we trust as we trust him deeper the holy spirit will help you bring jesus into you closer and closer you'll trust him more you'll trust him more with that next little thing the next little thing that next thing that's going on more and more And it will, obedience will ooze out of you. I know that's not pretty, but just believe me, it just just comes. Obedience just comes out as you trust him more. That's how it works, right? Um, Now, there are two scenes here of Jesus, right? So in that first scene on the left, right, sort of in the black and white, or the sepia tone there, um, that's where Jesus is uh, in the wilderness. He fasts 40 days. Now, some of you have fasted a couple days. Maybe you've fasted 40 days. I don't know. 40 days is a long time. His body is crying out at that point. Remember, it's, it's the Godhead in flesh. Okay, He's not playing some sort of weird game like some people think. No, he's in flesh for real Okay, and on this earth. And so he doesn't just get like, like, like he gets the head honcho. He gets Satan himself, and he goes to him, and he's hungry as can be. And he says, hey, I tell you what. Hey, listen, listen, listen. You know this humanity that you're wrapped in? Hey, you can't really perfect that. You can't really do it. What you need to do is call upon your godness and make this stone some bread. Munchy, munchy. Right? I don't know if Satan said that, but you know what I'm saying. His body must have been crying out for it. Because what he's saying is, you can't do anything about your flesh so nobody else can. And what what did Jesus tell him? You guys know some of you know, right? What did, Jesus, what did Jesus tell? What did he tell Satan? Yeah, man cannot live by bread alone. He quoted the Bible in the flesh while he was hungry. He quoted the Bible. He quoted his God. He quoted the Father. He sought him in his, in his most hungry state. Hey, y'all, it's, that works for us too, right? That's, that works for us too. And, of course, the garden, in the garden of Gethsemane. That's so hard to say, Gethsemane. That is a big scene. Listen, I'm not belittling the cross. I'm not, not. It was awesome, right? Gethsemane, wow. When he talks about that cup and asking his father to have that cup passed, that's what I talked about earlier. Trillions of sinners, trillions of sins in that cup, and the wrath, like what should really happen for all of it in that cup. You have to drink it. And, and Jesus, he's on the ground. You know, when it says Jesus wept, you know, I know if there's nothing wrong if, um, excuse me, Ooh. there's nothing wrong if, uh, you know, you see a picture of him just praying. That's nothing wrong with that. But wept in some commentary is where you're weeping bitterly, is where they're face down in the dirt, just crying out in prayer, okay? Because God's okay with that kind of prayer too. There's nothing wrong with this kind of prayer, but there's nothing wrong sometimes where you're just flat in your face like, oh God, help me. And Jesus understands that. Don't worship anybody who doesn't go through that. But he, he asked, he asked in that moment, could we do this differently? And the, the father's answer was a resounding no. He wasn't playing a the game there. He was just trying to explain to you how tough it is in this flesh and how, how I can't craft sin. I can't deal with sin with that. I have to take on a different route. And he swallowed that. He swallowed it whole. So that all you saw in creation in the fall up on that screen earlier, he swallowed up all that sin. And he drank that cup to the end. And then to show you as children kind of how that works, I'll be crucified in front of you. But it's much worse than being crucified. Much worse. There have been many men and women who've been crucified in the past. There's not many who've done that. down on the ground and swallowed all the sin that's who he is to us crucifixion is there trust then obey you also you have to trust that the crucifixion really did both not just the garden but the crucifixion which is the punctuation of it that it is finished means that your sin is finished from keeping you from god and you receive that you receive it as your own that's part of what the cross does but here's the thing there's a resurrection in that second vision right the second picture there's a resurrection and the resurrection is like wow this is alive he's alive meaning this this actually will continue on in my life because of that resurrection believing that he died but he was resurrected is vital that resurrection is vital to this work especially the ongoing work of the holy spirit all right let's go another uh okay okay now what do i do what do i do stop drop and roll you know, if I've used that in a, for, in a previous one, just forgive me, I really like it. Stop, drop, and roll. What do I do? Okay. Uh, stop speaking. Stop and speak with an honest believer. Drop what you're doing and pray for rescue. Roll through the pages of the Bible. And remember, folks, repeat process until in a glorified body. Uh, uh, am I there, uh, Russ? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and roll the next. Leave me sit in on your line. My fault's here, my pride, my cursed lust. I confess them all, I confess them all. Just leave me, just leave me, just leave me, leave me. me. You are too hard on yourself, Brother Martin. Arguing with the devil never does any of us any good. He has had 5,000 years of practice. He knows all the weak spots. I'm sorry about today. I'm not here to scold you, Martin. I'm too full of sin to be a priest. You know, in two years, I've never heard you confess anything remotely interesting. I live in terror of judgment. And you think self-hatred will save you? Have you ever dared to think that God is not just? He has us born tainted by sin. Then he's angry with us all our lives for our faults. This righteous judge who damns us threatening us with the fires of hell. I know, I know, I know I'm evil to think it. You're not evil. You're just not honest. God isn't angry with you. You are angry with God. I wish there were no God. Martin, what is it you seek? A merciful God. A God whom I can love. God loves me. Then look to Christ, bind yourself to Christ, and you will know God's love. Say to Him, I'm yours, save me. I am yours, save me. I am yours. prayer there often is, save me from me. It's not just a prayer of justification. It's a prayer of sanctification now. Save me right now from this, that, and the other. And here's what I'm going to close with you on. The concept of walking in step with the Holy Spirit. This isn't the only way it works. This is one way it works, though. It's not the only way. You hear that, walking in step with the Spirit. What in the world is going on there, right? It's a beautiful passage, right? Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not glorify the desires of the flesh. You mean there's a way out? Yeah. 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 Walk by the Spirit. So recently, um, I have I've photographed a lot of weddings, um, but, you know, it's different than when you're in one, right? So my youngest daughter got married. So I've been in a, a couple. I've been, in, been in, in a wedding or two. But, uh, you know, it's just how things get punctuated. And it's happened each time, right, is the walk. The walk of daddy. Daddy's walk with the, with the girl, with the bride. You walk the bride down the aisle, you know? You get ready. And, of course, it's time, it's time, it's time. And you get her ready, right? You let her know it's time. we got to go in, sweetheart. It's time. The walk with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, when you take the bride in with you, you got this long aisle, right? And that journey is like sanctification. Where the Holy Spirit, arm in yours, walks you down. And the goal of the Holy Spirit is so that the bride doesn't see that her dress doesn't fit really well, or that she stumbles maybe as her heels break on the way, you know, that she sees the face of her groom. And the Holy Spirit's job is to get closer, magnify Jesus, right? Magnify him, bring him closer and closer and closer and closer. And as the bride gets closer to the groom, as you walk in step with the Spirit and get closer to Him, He looks beautiful. And suddenly, the rest of what you're struggling with, it doesn't go away, but it loses a lot of... Right? And that's the walk of the Spirit. Hand in hand. Closer and closer to Christ. Now, I do this in Sunday school classes, and I hope that you do it with me. It's not going to be as good as Tim and Janelle, but we're going to do this together. Helen Lamao, 1980, append a poem or a lyrics that turned into a song called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I really believe we sing that. You may get a little insight to where we went today. Ready? Are you going to do it with me? We're going to do it with eyes open, so you're going to watch everybody sing, right? It's okay. Ready? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray while the band comes up. You said a lot, but more so you did a lot. Man, oh man, God, God, help us, hold on to us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your promise. I pray, Lord Jesus, that I and my brothers and sisters can take this message out of here. Apply it to our heart, apply it to our lives and the people around us. We are just amazed at you. We love you, but we're way more amazed at how much more you love us. And we pray all these things in the name of you, Jesus. Amen.